Paul Moore here with Herman Eben, and you're listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. Herman, we have been talking about leadership being freeing and reality and that we are conduits of authority. You know what? I needed to pray because I got to get this and I keep going off on all these bunny trails. <laughs> okay, Lord, we do. Thank you so much. Again, how much information you provide to us. You've given it all to us and uh, made it so that it benefits both our life and our eternity. Lord, thank you so much for this time, and I pray for your blessing upon it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And forgive me, I just like the picture it paints, but last time I had talked about the game Family Feud, right, where they go out and they poll a thousand people, Mm -hmm. and they ask them a question, and then people on the game show, there's two different sides, and whoever gets the most correct responses wins. So we were talking about leadership, and we started talking about attributes of leadership, and I'm going to go today authoritative books on leadership mm-hmm. second corinthians would not be one of the top <laughs> 10 responses but yet you've taken us to second corinthians 13 two, two through four, four right? and the last thing we talked about last time too was second corinthians 10 8 and second corinthians 13 10 and if you want to know about that go to our website listen to the previous programs but moving forward herman you gave us a definition of leadership and that's really where i'd like to start okay leadership is committed to influence others to get there. So that means there are three key words in that definition, commitment, influence, and there. And there means a destination, a place, a desired result. That's what we mean by there. And we're going to be talking in the future about their here path, which is the most significant and unique creative process that's been used for thousands of years. It's just a simple way to talk about how it works. Okay. And behind that, there were these six attributes that you gave us for leadership with a bedrock on truth. Yeah. The, the six values is what we call them. In fact, the way we teach this, we use that definition then we state it this way great leaders are committed to influence others to their and to six five three two one <laughs> <laughs> wait a six, minute you missed something yeah six values six critical values five essential capacities three daily priorities two remarkable skills and one unique process and that one unique process is thp ala and persistence it's a little formula that okay and to learn now all we're, of now that, we're off into a to, lot of details we're on here. a bunny trail and the, the long and the short of that is you are an executive coach and you have a program great leaders gr8 leaders.com is the website but so going back to leadership and authority you closed out last time saying that god's the authority we tend to think we are and paul said it's not me Mm -hmm. yeah hold on because i didn't answer your other question i I went off my bunny trail you said you were talking about the six values there are six values and generally these six values would not show up maybe one or two highly unlikely but these six values wouldn't show up in any survey either you know (laughs) the survey says i want to set this up okay okay so everyone who's listening pretend that you're on family feud and we're going to say we surveyed a thousand people and asked them Six values surrounding leadership. (laughs) And the survey says says, self-governance, humility, sacrifice, freedom, valuing people, and truth. Six for six, I didn't have none. (laughs) That's right. And those first five are 
they're intertwined and sit on the bedrock of truth. If you want to think of five elements sitting on top of a foundation of truth, that's how we think about it. But you're right. Those six would probably not be associated with leadership in any certain way. Okay, so real quick, because I, I failed to do this before and I need to do it now. If I go to the website and I'm looking at the material and I want to download the study guide, what chapter am I in? This chapter on leadership is chapter nine in the second part of chapter nine. And the first part of chapter nine is on a complementary topic, submission. And that's the reason why we deal with both of these in the same chapter, submission in one and authority and leadership in the other. So here we're talking about leadership and leadership is one of those vastly misunderstood in my mind, things that people uh, don't have a, a the, the godly way to do leadership. And truly that term servant leadership is an accurate term to associate with leadership. And last time we were talking about it's freeing, being that we're a conduit of his authority. And here's a little example that you can use to help you understand how that channel of authority works. It's sort of like a garden hose. And when you want to direct water from a spigot on the side of the house, you connect the hose to that and you take the hose and you put the hose at a place where you want to direct the water and you go turn the water on, right? Right. And that's the way that authority actually works. We just don't use it that way. We are simply like the hose, meaning we are a conduit of God's authority and it's to be directed to the places that he wants it directed to. That's the reason why Paul was saying in that Second Corinthians 13 passage, you know, God will not spare you. It's his authority that's going to happen toward you. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm just, I'm just letting you know that God's going to deal with you. Please, please, please do it differently. Which brings us to our big topic for today, that leadership not only is freeing, like we were talking about last time, but it also is gentle in serving. That just doesn't seem to be true about the way most leaders approach leadership. Okay, that is not the John Wayne style of leadership or the school of Attila the Hun. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's because the world thinks of leadership vastly different than we do. When you compare authority from the world, you don't get the same type of flavor that you get when God is talking about it. In the world, the roots are in me. It's in pride, my position, and my power. That's what you would see the roots of in the world. But in God, the roots are God first, humility, his gift or assignment to me to allow his authority to flow through me. See, it's, it's a vastly different thought. In the world, I am the authority in God's situation. God is the only authority, and I'm simply a channel of that authority. Okay, so what you're telling me is I need to compartmentalize it. I need to separate my secular life from my temporal life. No, I am not saying that, <laughs> but I appreciate the then question. Then why do we do that? Well, the issue is what we are doing is we are making the mistake of separating them. We're making that mistake. And God is saying, no, 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 wait, wait, go back to what I told you in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I have given you all things for life and godliness. I've given it all to you. Pay attention to it. I have literally told you how to lead also, and here's the way you lead also. So don't separate them. Don't do that. Okay, so Herman, I'm asking, 
Will you respond to me in Pauline truth? Is it entirely possible that many of the problems I have in life are because I'm trying to separate God's authority out from man? Absolutely. You're trying to act like you can compartmentalize spirituality from secularism. All of life is to be lived the way God says it to is to be lived. You don't compartmentalize it. It's not church and work. It's not church, work, and home. It's life. That's how you are to be living this. God has given you all things for life and godliness. And go pay attention to his word, and life is going to start making a lot more sense to you. All right, you just quoted it, but I'm going to ask. You just said, God gave me all things. Second Peter chapter 1, so verse this, 2. This yeah. isn't an opinion. This is scriptural. This is scriptural. That's exactly right. It's scriptural. So let's get back on track on leadership here, and then we would... <laughs> well, I'd like to get you back on leadership. Unfortunately, I put us right up to the break, so this gives me an opportunity to say, please go to the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumulatrelationships.com. You can download the study guide. You can look at the material in Chapter 9. That'll help get you started if you're interested in what we're doing. The other thing is, you know, Herman's got a business where he teaches his stuff, and that website is greatleaders.com, grnumulatrelaters.com. We'll be back right after this. Great thoughts for great relationships. Unconditional love is not tolerance. Love stands for truth and boundaries. Love does not rejoice in evil or what is bad. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu, gsot.edu, or call 877-476-8674, 877-476-8674. Now get going. Now. There are those that say it's chapter nine we're talking about at greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com. Herman, before the break, you were fixing to say, I like that, fixing to say (laughs) something about authority and serving. What we've been talking about in the last program and in the last segment also is the fact that leadership is freeing, that we are simply the channel of God's authority. And we've not mentioned the real topic that we're wanting to cover today, which is not only is leadership freeing, but it is also gentle and it serves. Now, again, those are those are three words that won't be associated with the top 10 list. Right? That is, no, it's not on the top 10 list. So I'm going to just debunk all three. Okay? okay. Okay. 
leadership does not serve. You are here to serve me. Yeah. That's and a- in serving me, if you're not, don't expect that I'm going to be gentle in fixing you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and then what was the last thing? I'm sorry. I'm so flustered. Free. That you, free. free. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing freeing about it. You get a paycheck. You don't like it. Go on. That's how too many times we do think about uh, leadership. That's unfortunate, but it is so, so true. And uh, to remind everybody about the freedom aspect, it's not only freeing from the viewpoint of trying to help develop people, but it's also freeing for you because you don't have to be the person that makes things happen. You're trusting in God to work through you to help those people to grow and develop. You're trusting God to work through you in this situation to benefit them because this authority is for their benefit. And we read those verses. So here's the other part that really is going to not be talked about all that much. Do I want to hear this? Go back to go back to Second Corinthians in verses ten one through six. When you are in uh, verses one through six, there's a lot there, but I'm only going to read to you the first two verses, and it specifically says it, this this part of it: by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Now, now think about that. This is Second Corinthians ten one and two. Here is Paul, the person that is actually telling them, here's how life works and everything else. And he's saying, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. That doesn't sound like a leader, the way that the world talks about it. The way that the world would talk about that would be like, you darn well better pay attention to me. You are sinning and you need to get this changed that's and, and you start raising your temper and you you get get mad and flustered and everything else and that's how you would typically approach it that isn't what what Paul di- did in his example to there's us there's no imposition of his will here he's Not just a simply bit. saying and then it goes on it says i paul who am timid when face to face with you But bold went away. Now, what was going on there? What was going on was when he wrote his letters to them, he sounded much more authoritarian or authoritative, I should say, in his letters. But when he came apparently and spoke to them in person, he didn't sound authoritative. He would... He was just gentle. He was just uh, allowing them to make their own mind up. That's, that's Yeah, that's, that's what he's a, a, appealing to. He says, now listen to it. He says, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. Here he is again saying, meekness and gentleness, I beg you that I don't bring in the full power of God against you. Okay, forgive me. I have to sidetrack us for just a second. I'm sorry. It's only because when I have sat in a pew and had this taught to me, I have had pastors say, well, you know, Paul had a speech impediment, and this is what he's talking about. We're simply talking about that you as a leader don't need to be authoritarian, dictatorial, demanding things of people 
all you need to do is lay out the truth, lay out where you're wanting to go and trust that God is going to use his authority through you. And if he doesn't want to use his authority through you, that's life. That is, that's, that's the freeing concept of it. Now we're back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Yeah. If God preserves us, it's his will. And if right. we're not preserved, it's his will. Right. And Jesus is the authority and the authority is meek and gentle. That's what's so interesting about this. Now, people will go, well, look what he did in the, in the temple. That isn't meek and gentle. Well, actually, it was because the whole idea of truth is at some point, he is God, obviously, and, and he's going to defend the truth. You don't really need to do that, but he's, he's, again, the authority to be able to pull that off, and we don't. But you will do work against evil. That is one of the key issues. And when you are like Jesus Christ, you can be meek and gentle in helping people grow and develop. But at the same time, at some point, it does, you're going to fight against evil, too. And that's, that's what Jesus was doing in the temple at that point in time. But let's focus primarily on the meek and gentle because we too often have the idea of power you know, as, as being the way that leaders are supposed to be. But we want to focus on the meek and gentle. Follow Paul's example. There's multiple scriptures. Let me just read a few of these scriptures that are, are specifically along this line that he is gentle. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. That didn't, that didn't sound like you, you do it or else. I'm, I'm here to, to help you have joy. That's what he's saying to them. 2 Corinthians 2, 8. I urge you, listen to that. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. He's calling them back to where they need to be. He's not saying, you darn well better get this done. That's what we too often have of the mindset of what a leader is doing. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Reverence for God. Dear friends, <laughs> he's, he's not trying to lord it over them again. 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. I'm inviting you, is what he's saying. I'm inviting you to do this differently. Okay, I'm not hearing it lorded, and I'm not also hearing a guilt trip or shame. Wonderful statement. That is a great thing to bring out. When you are leading correctly, you are doing everything that you can back into the idea of freeing. You're doing everything that you can to help develop them, invite them to change. And when you shame somebody, that is actually not inviting them to change. That's demanding that they change so that it doesn't show bad on them or something else, right? Love that statement. That's a very good one. 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 7, was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you? What's the implication? Leadership is about elevating other people. Last one, 2 Corinthians eleven ten. Here's my advice about what is best for you. Literally, I would, I would be maybe incorrect in saying it this way, but I, I sense by all the other verses that he's basically saying, here's my advice if you want it. I invite you to consider it because I'm wanting you to deal in reality. Uh, 
because it is really what's best for you. Isn't it the same way God speaks to us? <laughs> God in all of his all of his word, especially as we're dealing in this age of grace, he's basically saying, Herman, Herman, pay attention to what I'm saying. It's what's best for you. I know you can, I made you so that you can choose against me, but please don't, Herman, don't do that. That's going to be bad for you. That's what Paul is saying to these people. That's the reason why he's meek and gentle in the way his approach. He's gentle. He's not only freeing, but he's gentle in his approach. Okay, so here we go. The break's coming just up in a a second, but, you know, we did the survey, and Corinthians was everyone in the scriptures was out of Second Corinthians. Yeah. And if I surveyed a thousand people and said top ten books on leadership, this wouldn't be one. And yet as I'm going through all of this, what I hear is your definition of love. Yeah. Pursuing the best for others. Patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. And that's the leadership example we're given by Paul here. Thank you, Herman. And before we go, I want to invite you to drop us a line at Great Relationships, P.O. Box 51836. That's Post Office Box 51836, Midland, Texas, 79710. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great quotes for great relationships. When stress hits the system, pathology overrides theology every time, unless you are sold out to the truth. Dr. Marlon Howe. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You're listening to Great Relationships, Pursuing the Best in Work, in Life, in Love. And we do mean work and life and love when we say it. Herman, before the break, you were saying that what Paul is talking to us about in 2 Corinthians is summarized by our definition of love, pursuing another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. For that, you would talk to me about here, there, path, that great leaders help us get there, and that there are quotas and goals. So everything you said sounded good. That's why I end up compartmentalizing my work life from my spiritual 
spiritual life because I have goals and quotas. Yeah, and that's what so many people have a tendency to say is, okay, if you're if you're freeing, if you're gentle, if you're service-oriented, that means that you're never going to get anything done. Well, that is just wrong because just because I'm humble doesn't mean that I don't have a desire to get there, doesn't mean I don't have a commitment to get the things done for the organization that need to be done. It just means that I'm no longer going to be a dictator in trying to force people to do it when I recognize, and this is this goes into a whole area of freedom, when I recognize that when I deal with people with grace, there's a greater chance that they're going to put more effort into it than if I demand it out of them. Compliance is very different from the idea of freedom to act and do it on your own. So too many times when we are operating, you you darn well better get that goal done or you're fired. That actually reduces the overall long-term benefit. You might get some great energy out of them right then and there. Yeah, but you said I'm supposed to speak in reality. Go, go to the secular resource here, which is very interesting. Jim Collins in uh, Good to Great, when you look at Jim Collins' work, you will see that what he said about a leader it really fit this idea of humility working for you, not against you. And here's what he said about it. The idea of humility doesn't mean that you don't have incredible ambition to get things done for the organization. In fact, every one of the leaders that he looked at in the 10 companies that he was surveying had incredible ambition, but it wasn't for themselves. It was for the organization. So this idea of leadership that is humble and serving and gentle is not going to get you anything related to getting the goals done. It's just, it's just wrong. It, it doesn't work that way. So Jim Collins found the truth of God's authority, even though he wasn't looking He wasn't even looking for it. In fact, you could see that in the, in the way that he was talking about it in his book. But we've talked about uh, up till now, in the previous program that it's freeing, we talked about this program earlier that it's gentle, but we also really need to bring out this third aspect that it's serving. And that's the whole idea of goals and quotas and all this other stuff, because the organization does need to get someplace. And you want to invite people to do the work Uh, through self-governance, and you want to be teaching them how to be more self-governing rather than demanding that they do it because you're not teaching them self-governance. Now, when you don't have people that are self-governing, it's going to require a lot more energy out of you to try to make them get it done, right? If you're teaching them to be self-governing, it takes less energy out of you and allows more of their energy to be put into the project or the quota or whatever else you're dealing with. So you are to be a leader that serves the organization. You're a resource for them. For instance, leadership in all the things we're talking about is not self-absorbed or focused on the leader. It's not that at all. It's focused on the good for the organization and the good for the people. We miss that big point about leadership. We have a tendency to think, well, I need to be a leader because that's where I get noticed. Well, leadership isn't about that. It's about the organization getting somewhere. It's about developing the people. Secondly, when you try to prove you're a leader, by the way, most often you're no longer 
you're leading. I just want to throw that out as a as a little sidebar. Well, I'm the leader here. You just darn well better do what I say. Well, guess what? Too often, you're no longer leading. You're following something else. You're following bad thoughts, or maybe you're even following some people that have said that you need to be doing that. Don't don't try to prove that you're a leader. You don't need to do that. You simply need to want to get there, and you're committed to getting there and influencing others to get there with you. Leadership is not about you, and that's the reason why it's the whole idea of serving. So the one thing that we want you to walk away with are these two big points. Leadership is gentle and it serves. Those are the two elements that we want you to grab a hold of today. It not only is freeing for you and for them, but it's gentle and it serves. Follow the leader doing what he says is right and best, and don't be dependent on or trying to please followers or others. When you're trying to please other people, you're following them. You're no longer leading. You want to get to the place the vision that you have, the purpose that you have, you want to get to the there that you really believe is right. And that's what Paul was doing in all of his leadership. He was wanting those people to change, but he wasn't going to make them change. He was going to leave it their choice to change or not. Can I really put these principles into my business? You certainly can, because there's no doubt when you follow the way things really work, it's going to work best for you. In fact, I think the idea of what Jim Collins came up with in his book, Good to Great, proves that the servant leadership model is the best model. If this is striking a note with you and you want to learn more, contact us at greatrelationships.com. Give Herman a call. Talk to him. Make some time. Maybe we can change your business. And one person, one family at a time, we can begin to change this world. At least that's my hope and prayer today. Greatrelationships.com. GRNumeratelationships.com. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow, I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing. I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Have you ever had days like this? <laughs> Neither have we. That's why we recommend great relationships. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others. Kindly, patiently, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. 